0: As many of you know, Harvard recently rescinded the acceptance of at least 10 students for obscene memes in a Facebook chat group. Unfortunately, I was one of those students. My initial response was to blame Harvard. My problem with their decision was that it was just banter in a private peer group. Now I realize that I must take full responsibility for my actions if I wish to turn my life around. Since I was accepted to Harvard Early Action as an athlete, I didn't apply to any other schools and I've had no backup college to enroll in for the next year. Luckily, Harvard has kept the individual students anonymous, but I'm afraid I might have to disclose this on my future college applications. My parents were livid. I felt like my whole world had been shattered. This is part of an anonymous online post from the summer of 2017 from one of the high school students, whose acceptance to Harvard was rescinded because of an offensive meme in a Facebook post. Parents, we need to help our kids understand that what they post online matters and could come back to haunt them when they least expect it. How we do that is the subject of today's episode. Hi, I'm Mark
1: Roman, a tech policy expert and former White House advisor on privacy. I'm David Reitman, an adolescent medicine doctor who works with teenagers We're also married to each other and raising a teenage son of our own. You're listening to Their Own Devices, a parenting podcast with practical advice for the 21st century.
0: Now, in preparing for our podcast, I walked through this exact story with our son. Much to his dismay. Yes, well, he had no choice. (laughs) But I wanted to see how a 13 year old reacts to the story. What lessons did he get from this? And in some respects, he did get it. He said, well, you never know where your post is gonna end up, and data is forever, which is also, I guess, not shocking since I say that to him four times a day every day, but both of those points are important, and as one you know, expert on digital reputation puts it, what kids need to really digest and embrace is that online actions are public, and online actions are permanent. When we were preparing for the podcast and I was doing a little bit of extra research, one of the things that really jumped out at me is how significant this issue can be for high school athletes. And there is an entire post or series of posts from Duke and, in fact, from one of the Duke coaches. And he says that schools with competitive teams like Duke have people who check the digital footprints of all of the high school athletes all the time. And then it continues on by saying, I'm often asked. How can we judge a kid on one mistake? And what the coach responds, our jobs depend on the guys we sign. We can't afford risk. Well, David, I got to say that's pretty intense. Yep. That one mistake, one bad tweet or retweet could jeopardize a high school athlete's college athletic career. That's pretty intense. What advice do you have for parents on how they should engage with their child
1: who is suddenly facing a online or digital reputation crisis? I think the first thing that parents need to keep in the back of their mind is that when something does go wrong with their kid online, it's important to make sure that you address the kid's concerns first parents are going to have a lot of emotional feelings about what's happened, what the kid posted, what was posted about their kid. But that stuff has to be put on the back burner as much as they can and make sure that whatever the kid's concerns are, is going to be resolved without any kind of fear of punishment, that the kids can trust the parents, that the parents are going to have their kids back and that they're going to work to resolve the issue. There will be plenty of time for these parents to sit down with the kid and say, okay, you really screwed up and these are the consequences and all that other kind of thing. But the first, you know, stage needs to be, how do I show my kid that I'm going to support them and help to make this right? Let's bring on our guest and
0: dig deeper on this topic of digital reputation and explore how should mom and dad help kids understand the issues around online reputation? Hopefully before things go wrong, and then what should parents do to help repair the reputation or resolve problems if and when things go wrong? Our guest today is Diana Graber. Diana is the co-founder of CyberWise, a leading online safety and digital literacy organization. She's also a mom. And most recently, Diana is the author of a new book called Raising Humans in a Digital World. And Diana is joining us today to discuss online reputation. Welcome, Diana.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So, Diana, tell
1: us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I live in Southern California. I've got two daughters. They are now um, 20 and 23 years old. My youngest daughter was my very first class of students that I taught cyber civics to, gosh, what it's been nine years ago.
1: Cyber Civics. Um,
2: yeah, that's the three-year digital literacy program that I developed here in Southern California. Wow. That teaches kids, it's super fun. It teaches them digital citizenship, information literacy, and media literacy. I also we founded an organization called Cyberwise, which is a website for parents and teachers full of free information and research and videos and all kinds of stuff that they can use to learn how to be great digital parents. And then finally, I just wrote a book that came out just a, a couple of weeks ago called Raising Humans in a Digital World, Helping Kids Build a Healthy Relationship with Technology. My book really covers the whole spectrum of raising a human today in a digital world. From the minute they're born, I talk about what to do, you know, within the early years to lay a strong foundation. My favorite chapter is the one where I talk about all the wonderful possibilities and the positive things that kids can do online.
0: And that's great because I think, as you know, from listening to our podcast, we love technology. We love digital content. We love social media. And we encourage our son to engage and he has multiple devices, but we feel that there really is an appropriate and responsible way to engage and be a a good digital citizen. So when you say uh, reputation, and we're talking about digital reputation, walk me through that. Uh, How are you defining that? What is the scope of this issue from your perspective?
2: Well, I think one's digital reputation is really the entirety of everything they do online. So it's everything they post, every picture put up, Even if they keep a blog or create YouTube videos, all of that becomes part of one's digital reputation. But in addition to that, it's what other people post about you and tag you in. That also becomes part of your digital reputation. And that's where it gets a little tricky.
0: So what are the concerns at a general level? Like, let's level set.
2: Well... Let's not call them concerned. Let's call them things to be aware of, right? You know, a a reputation for a child really starts forming from the moment they're born and parents and well-meaning relatives start posting their pictures and all that online. And so, you know, it kind of builds as a child gets older. And then sometimes kids are getting phones super young and they're excited and they take pictures and post every single thing that they do. And, you know, kids being kids, I mean, they're supposed to make mistakes and do silly, dumb things, right? It's just when these things make their way online and stay there forever and later on that kid goes to apply for a job or college and they look at the reputation and there's some things on there that aren't that great.
0: You said that kids or reference that kids are getting cell phones younger and younger. I mean, isn't that a concern? I mean, shouldn't we think more critically about what age we're giving the kids the device?
2: This is a really important conversation that we should all be having because, as we all know, social media networks, most of them, Snapchat, Instagram, etc., require users to be at least 13 years of age. But we all know that plenty of kids lie about their age to get on earlier, many of them with their parents' permission and consent. But think about that. A kid before the age of 12 or 13 is not capable of doing abstract thinking, which is the prerequisite for ethical thinking. And all this stuff that they do online, you know, posting a picture that makes them look stupid or saying something that's dumb or inappropriate, that's all ethical thinking issues, right? And so if a kid can't do that thinking and you give them a device and they're posting that stuff, you know, it's just no good for anybody.
0: A lot of stories that we looked at about online reputation are really about, I would say, high school kids. But you're talking about 12 and 13, which is middle school. Is online reputation an issue in middle school?
2: Well, I think it is because that's when it starts forming. And I'll tell you, (laughs) one of the reasons I think it's an issue really came from my own daughter. When my daughter went to apply for college and she was about to get selected as a roommate or to pick a roommate, the kids were all looking at each other's digital reputations, right? Because they wanted to decide, hey, is this somebody I want to share a room with? So she comes storming in my office, mad at me because I let her have Facebook at thirteen. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you so mad about? She goes, Do you realize the stupid pictures I posted at age thirteen, and now they're still on my profile, and it's so embarrassing? No kid at thirteen should be allowed online.
0: You know, that, wow. and that came from <laughs> right, and that came from your daughter.
2: Right, right, and so that's the thing. It's super fun when you're in middle school, but when you're in high school and it's still on your profile, it's embarrassing.
0: So we have a 13 year old and he thinks he should be allowed to do this. So one of the things you're recommending is that parents speak to their kids. What is it you think we should be saying and how can we actually have an impact and get through?
2: Well, you know, I've thought about this long and hard, and I'm going to start by saying the three things that don't work when you talk to your kids about their digital reputation. Number one, and you know this, having a 13-year-old, lecturing doesn't work. It goes in one ear and out the other. You know, number two, scare tactics don't work. I mean, they're excited about being online, so you're not going to scare them into not posting things. Let's come and back th- to that one, because I'm not sure I agree. And then number three, you know, it's, again, we have to talk about it again and again, because is it's a very complex topic. So what I found with kids and I teach kids the same age as your son is examples, you know. So, for example, with my students, and you can do this with kids at home, too, is I tell them the story about those kids that got accepted to Harvard and started posting inappropriate things on Facebook. And all of a sudden they all lost their acceptances. I believe that was 10 children that were involved. So I tell my kids that story and then we play games. You know, I I have them pretend that they're college admissions officers and I give them a couple sample prospects to look at. And we look at their digital backgrounds and we decide, hey, is this a kid I'd give a scholarship to? You know, I I role play a lot with them. and, And one way parents can do this at home is, you know, Google people, you know, or people you don't know and look at their digital reputations and together with your children, Talk about what you ascertain about that person by looking at what they've done online. Let's go back to the
0: Harvard example because it is so famous now. What took place was in a private Facebook chat of other students who were all admitted, right? And the students posted really offensive memes, photographs with offensive statements on it. But their perspective was that was never supposed to be public. It was supposed to be part of this private chat of peers. So what went wrong? And was Harvard right to do what they did?
2: Well, what went wrong is no one taught digital literacy to those kids when they were 12 and 13, because had they taken those classes, they would know that nothing online is private. Nothing. Because even if you're in a private chat room or you're a private social media network, whatever, somebody has a camera or you know ability to take a screenshot and share it elsewhere and it happens all the time
1: so i'm going to you know step in here as the adolescent developmentalist and say that i'm not sure that even having digital literacy is as for 12 and 13 year olds would have changed that outcome with those kids we see really good kids all the time when they are 18 19 20 in college doing equally stupid stuff So is it possible that this is just another function of adolescents not seeing consequences of their actions and how this plays out?
2: Well, I think absolutely it is. But I will counter you there because I think what happens is when you teach kids about the consequences of their actions and you do it when you have a group of kids and they're discussing this amongst themselves as peers, what happens is two things. Number one, they start looking out for each other online and I've seen this happen. I've seen a kid post something stupid and another kid will call them on it and they'll take it down. And number two is they create new norms for themselves. You know, it's like I'm not lecturing these kids. I'm putting them in a situation where they can discuss their online lives and decide, hey, maybe we should or maybe we shouldn't do this. And then things change when they go online.
0: You know what's interesting and we're not going to have an answer to this but I wonder if this cohort of middle school students maybe this group will appreciate this issue more than say 17 18 19 year olds today because the kids today they were really that first group right to slowly ease into smartphones and social media as opposed to 12 year olds who sort of really are the digital natives.
2: Well, I really hope so. And I think you're right. Kids are becoming more aware that their online actions have long-term consequences. But I don't think that lets us off the hook as parents or teachers to not talk to kids about these issues and put them in situations where they can practice. They can see what consequences are. They know the ramifications of their online actions. I think it's super important that we make time for that.
0: So for our audience, which is parents, I want to, you know, you push back when I said, what are the concerns? But in fact, I'm going to say there are actual real concerns and potential problems for our kids. And I'd like to go through some of them. Who would be looking at our child's online reputation as they grow up and what are they looking for?
2: Well, I think everyone's looking, you know, I mean, that's what we do today. If we hear someone's name that we don't know, the first thing we do is Google them. Right. And I think even kids do that. And it's interesting with kids because when they start forming their reputation at the very beginning, there's not a lot of stuff out there about them, but usually it's a lot of stuff from Instagram. And even if they're private on Instagram, their profile picture and their bio will be public And that's interesting to me because, you know, young kids, when they open an Instagram account, they'll usually have like a silly bio and maybe an inappropriate picture. And there's a place for a parent to start, you know, talk about even when you open a social media presence, think about, you know, your bio. Think about what you picture you want to post because that becomes part of your digital reputation.
0: Right. And it is interesting that part of the profile is public and that some of the default settings would have more data be public. I don't think we can say enough understanding privacy settings and mom and dad need to understand them and we need to help our kids understand them.
2: Right. I mean, I think that's a prerequisite before a child uses a social media network to go through that with them so that they're aware of what the privacy settings are and how to set them up. What I've discovered, you know, doing this with 12 and 13 year olds, I mean, they want privacy. I mean, they don't like mom and dad snooping in their room or on their telephone calls. But you know, when you show kids how to attain privacy online, they'll actually do it. But you have to show them because sometimes when they sign up for a network, they're so excited to use it, they don't even read any of that stuff.
0: That's right. And if you ask my son, I am the worst dad on the planet because The prerequisite for him getting any social media account is that he reads the privacy policy and explains it back to dad. And he's horrified. I guess my concern is that, you know, adolescents are adolescents and they're going to make mistakes. That's almost their job, right? You make mistakes, you take risks to grow up. And one of those mistakes can disqualify you from an amazing opportunity. It can prevent you from getting the career you want or the school you want. And... That concerns me as a dad. Am I, am I wrong?
2: This is something I hear from parents a lot. And I have to tell you, it concerns me, too. And I think perhaps as a culture, we have to step back. And especially when it comes to kids, don't look at the one mistake, but look at the entirety of their digital presence. Right. Because, you know, as you said, kids, their job is to make a mistake. I mean, heck, we made plenty of them. They just weren't online when we were young. So, you know, I hope that as an older generation, we can be wise enough to remember that and not judge that child by the one inappropriate tweet or post.
1: And I actually, you know, kind of dovetailing on that. I think that there's a lot to be taught about the use of humor and sarcasm and tone when it comes to these postings and emails. I mean, and and he says staring right at me. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There are many times when (laughs) Marcus has gotten ready to send an email and says, is the tone right in this? And I've said. Absolutely not. Unless you want them to think that you are a totally horrible person, you need to dial this all back. But it really, being the one who's been on the receiving end of emails from patients and that kind of thing, it's really interesting how tone does not convey. And, and kids a lot of times don't realize if they're trying to be sarcastic, you know, someone who's reading it, it's going to read them and be like, huh? And that really can impact, you know, if they're putting comments into blogs or anything like that, you're going to see that.
2: As I've learned the hard way, the Internet is a terrible place for people who like to use sarcasm. Oh,
1: God. Yes.
2: <laughs> um, and I always joke with the students and I and I tell them the Internet has no sense of humor. Because, <laughs> you know, you just can't read through that stuff. And it's funny because when I was doing the reputation lesson with my students, one of the questions they asked me was, Do you think when adults look at our reputation, they get it when we're teasing each other or trying to be funny? And my response to them was probably not. No, unfortunately. And you should see the look on their faces. That just makes them so sad. because (laughs) That's what you do when you're a pre-teenager, right? You, You joke around, you try to be funny, you practice sarcasm. I mean, all of those things are so normal developmentally. And all of those things are happening online and parents and adults are looking at it going, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Yes. And sometimes it's not that terrible. It's just kids being kids.
0: So what are the things we say to kids before they get online? How would you explain to them the concrete steps you take, the ways to thoughtfully approach social media and your online presence?
2: I think number one is to teach kids to be the same good person online as you are offline. And with that comes knowing what it means to be a good citizen. You know, a good citizen is honest, kind, ethical, you know, shows courage, just those basic traits. And I think that's a starting point. And then you can build upon that understanding to help a child know that every time they go online, everything they do online is going to be public. It's going to be permanent. It's going to come back to haunt them or to help them later. And then there's a third part to that when they start understanding that, gosh, okay, I have control over what I'm posting about myself, but what if that friend I met last week posts something and tags me, how do I control that? And the answer to that, I mean, the only answer I can give kids is just choose your friends wisely. So I'm going to,
0: raise another issue, which uh, actually is not my personal thought. Someone had suggested this to me, which is that by focusing on the issue of digital reputation, we're actually now focusing on a completely wrong subject that, in fact, the conversations should really be about what you said, whether it's digital or not, or your conduct. So that if you put up a post or a photo of you in high school drinking alcohol and you get in trouble for the photo, we all start talking about digital reputation. But no one's talking about the conduct of should he have been drinking alcohol at 15 anyway?
2: Yeah, I see what you're saying. But, you know, I don't think you can separate the two anymore. Right. I think where we are today is, of course, we want our children to have good actions and good conduct. Number one. But number two is they live in a world where everyone's got a phone in the palm of their hand. (laughs) So people are going to take pictures and post their actions online. And that's what they have to remember. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. That being said, you know, you've got this powerful thing in the palm of your hand. Be kind in how you use it. You know, don't take pictures of your friends and post them when they don't want to be online. I mean, ask their permission. So many of these problems could be solved with empathy, right? Posting kindly, responding to someone online with a nice word, not putting pictures up that are going to hurt someone's feelings. I mean, all of that are empathetic skills, correct? And I think that that's really goes hand in hand with teaching kids digital literacy is teaching them how to develop their empathy so that when they go online and they start living in this world of faceless others, they can execute those excellent empathy skills. <laughs> I think that would go a long way in solving a lot of our online problems.
0: I, having read part of your book and hearing what you articulate today, I can't help but wonder if your approach and outlook... And emphasis on let's teach empathy to solve this is, we could say, really optimistic, maybe naive. I guess I'm skeptical that the answer to some of these complicated digital reputation issues is teaching empathy and that there's got to be more to it.
2: Great question. And I, I will be the first to admit that I always err on the side of optimistic and hopeful. That being <laughs> I said, live in
1: D.C. I never do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm with Diana.
2: <laughs> I'm in California. The sun's shining. What can I say? Right. Um, but that being said, like empathy, I don't know that it's taught as much as it's built. And one of the things that I write a lot about in my book is building those foundational skills in kids before they go online Um, And I'm really one to argue that the early years are so important to have kids be face to face and looking at expressions and understanding emotions and knowing what it feels like to have something pulled away from you or pulling something away and causing someone to cry. I think all of those human things that happen face to face build those social emotional skills that are so necessary to take into the online world. You know, sure, that's not going to solve all of our online problems, but it's sure going to make it better.
1: I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, I, I see the most empathetic kids. But at the same time, they're when they're adolescents. It's just it's hard, you know. And one thing that that I hear from patients all the time is that, you know, my best friend, he's my best friend, but he's totally different in a group. And I think the group thing does change that and they have to make sometimes really split second decisions about am i you know what am i going to do in a group setting and if i'm in a group chat how am i going to respond to this but a lot of times it just it's more than the kids can actually handle and they do make bad decisions because of the fact that there's so much peer pressure going into this
2: yeah and i hear you and you're absolutely right because Peer pressure is a big thing when you're a teenager and everyone's doing it and you think it's okay to do. But let me back up a little bit because hand in hand with empathy, the skills you build when you're young before you go online is resilience. And so just as much as you need empathy online, you do need resilience because you are going to encounter the mean tweet, the unkind text. And so we want them to also have a bit of resilience under their belt. And again, that comes with age and experience and wisdom. With
0: respect to online reputation, we've spent a lot of time talking about potential negative consequences and being concerned about the impulsive post or the bad photo and trying to avoid that. There was a lot of discussion out there today about suggesting that kids, particularly once they get to high school, affirmatively spend time crafting a positive online reputation. What do you think about that?
2: Well, I really have mixed feelings about that because I think a kid's job is to be a kid, right? They shouldn't make social media a job. I think social media should be like a fun pastime. What I think kids should do is just do nice things online, just like you would do nice things offline. I see where you're going with this because I do think a lot of kids start seeing themselves as a brand. And you see this a lot on Instagram where, you know, there's kids with a followers and they start getting product placement and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, sure, that's fine for some kids, but I I hate to see kids really aspire to that if it's going to take over the rest of their life. And secondarily to that, I think kids are getting really good at understanding authenticity. They're starting to realize when someone is different online than they are offline. And I think what they like to see and I think what adults want to see is someone who's the same good person offline as they are online and vice versa.
0: I, by the way, would tend to agree with you. This notion that... Certainly, I'll be honest, kids in our socioeconomic or demographic group are hiring consultants to help them create a positive digital image to enhance a college application, completely shifting. And I I like the way you framed it. This should be for kids, a a new way to be a kid and to engage with others as opposed to a mechanism to create your brand. I I hope it doesn't evolve that way, but there's certainly a market for that. So when things go wrong, which we know they do, and there are lots of examples of that, when the picture goes places you didn't want or something you tweeted becomes a problem, how do kids and parents work to repair that problem with what is now their digital reputation?
2: Well, what I usually advise is to balance it, you know, for one bad thing, to try to post nine good things or nine positive things. Um, If it's something really harmful, you can certainly contact the social media network where it happened and attempt to get it taken down. I don't know how successful that attempt will be, but if it's something super harmful, I think you'll have better luck. But again, I think as a society, we have to start looking at kids as the entirety of their digital reputation, not one mistake, because who doesn't make one mistake?
0: There is an entire industry now called online reputation repair or Digital Reputation Management. And they claim to be able to assist you to repair your online reputation should something have gone wrong. Do you have any thoughts on that rapidly growing industry?
2: Well, I'm one to really advocate to be preemptive online rather than reactive. So again, I would counsel kids and parents to just think before you post. Because I think if you try to repair it afterwards, I liken that to like giving a kid a car and saying, hey, go out there, crash as much as you like. We'll take it to the body shop and it'll be fine later. I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think your car ever runs as well. (laughs) I think that you want to try to not get in any accidents and be super careful how you navigate the information superhighway. I
0: won't disagree with you philosophically, but I'm going to throw in reality, which is that this is going to happen to a lot of kids. And as much as we do education in advance and do the mantra, which I love and support, kids will get into trouble with a reputation online. And so we do need to be able to offer some guidance to some extent to those kids to help them repair the reputation.
2: Right. And in that respect, I can see that they would go that route. But again, the moment something's put online, someone else could share it elsewhere. And so you only have so much ability to control that or to repair that.
0: So it's been a great conversation. Before we close, I'd love for you to share your advice for parents.
2: All right. Well, as far as reputation advice, I think there's three things that will help parents help their kids have a great reputation online. And number one, I would say delay. And that means, you know, let your child grow a brain before they start posting things online that they might regret later. Number two, talk to them about the importance of their digital reputation. Do it early. Do it often. Do it again and again. And then finally, and this is the important one, model what that means. Show them how you're super careful about what you post online, that you post things that are good or helpful or honest, that you ask others permissions before you put their pictures online, just respectful posting. And then as far as kids, I have three recommendations for them too. be a good human offline and then you'll be a good human online. I think that's pretty simple. Think twice before you post And just like your parents do, ask your friend's permission before you post their picture or something they say online.
0: So I like all of those three tips. I think they make a lot of sense. I think they will run into problems with peer pressure and adolescence
1: and stupidity. And as for growing a brain, I know the problem is, as we said numerous times on this podcast, that adolescents don't really grow their brain in full until they're about 22 to 25 years old with the myelinization of the frontal lobe. So I'm not sure that most kids can hang on that long.
2: (laughs) We should be like the rental cars, right? Where they have to be 25 (laughs) before they can rent a car. It really should be that way for uh, social media as well. But unfortunately, if we can hold a child off till 13 or 14, we've done a pretty good job.
0: Well, let me challenge that for a second because I've heard others say the better approach would be to introduce them at a younger age and engage with them and introduce it slowly. Because if you wait... Until they're a teenager to put them online, it's too late.
2: I disagree with that. I think um, I think childhood is super precious, and kids don't need to be online any sooner than that. And I think also certainly they can practice these skills, but practice them offline. You know, practice saying and doing things that are positive and kind and and all that offline first. And then, you know, 12 and 13 is still pretty young, right? So when they go online, of course, go online with them. And at that time, practice together and be aware of what they're posting and have discussions. And then by the time they're 13, 14 and upwards, of course, they're not going to want you involved in their lives so much. But you've had that time to prepare them not only emotionally and developmentally, but also with your practice.
0: Okay. I think that is a point where there is probably tremendous disagreement.
2: There is so much disagreement on that. I mean, I I get pushed on that all the time, but, you know, I tell you, this comes from me working with hundreds and hundreds of kids at ages 11, 12, 13, and 14. And, you know, I always challenge parents, you know, come stand in a classroom of sixth graders with me just for an hour (laughs) and watch their thought process and how they talk to one another and how they think about things. And then ask yourself, are these kids ready to have a connected device in their hand that talks to the whole world and that puts things out there that are public and permanent? It's not going to be many parents who are going to agree that, yeah, they're ready.
0: No, I think I'm probably with you on that. We waited until 13, and even then, there are pretty strict controls. But we heard on a recent podcast that 10 and 11 is becoming a little bit more standard here for your first smartphone, which to me is a little young. Right. Right. We had another author on their own devices recently who suggested that the parent needs to take that really active and engaged role. And and he placed a lot of the responsibility on the parent. I was a little concerned about that, considering how much parents already have on their plate today. What is your thought on
1: that?
2: I would have to agree with you on that. You know, I know what you're talking about, and I love the idea of doing things together with your children. But, you know, I'm around a lot of parents, and they just don't have the time. They, they Even well-meaning parents that wish they could, you know, they're working, paying bills, make, putting dinner on the table. And to sit and do everything that your child's doing, it's just not reasonable, So that's why I'm not really an advocate of getting kids on social media or anything, you know, early on, because they are bound to make mistakes and do things that are silly or dumb that they're going to regret later. And, you know, if you're not a parent who has a million hours to sit down with a kid to see what they're doing, you're going to be better off letting your child mature a little bit so that they make smarter decisions. They're still not going to make the best decisions, but they're still going to be a kid, but they're going to make better decisions at 13 than they are at age nine.
0: Well, this has been a great conversation. It's an important topic and it's one that I think will probably uh, surface again and again in our podcast. But thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you, guys. And thanks for what you're doing. It's just your information is so important for parents. And I think delivering it podcast wise is super smart because that's what parents have time for.
0: Thank you. Thank you very
2: much. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: We had a really interesting discussion with Diana today about online reputation. And at a high level, I think that we agreed on many points. But I have to say, I think there was also some disagreement about the best way to tackle these issues and address them head on. I love her optimism and enthusiasm and the way that she engages with students. And maybe this is just me, the skeptical former federal prosecutor, but I'm not persuaded that that will be effective for all kids and that it will drive home the message and kind of get the outcome we want, which is having children understand that their online actions can have offline consequences and that what they post will be public and will be permanent. We can disagree on whether we call it concerns or issues or problems, but Regardless of the label, there are potential serious consequences when things go wrong. And so I'd like to share some tips with our audience. And actually, some of these come from a list from a coach at Duke who was setting out social media rules for his players. One of the first things he actually did say, though, was that parents need to be made aware of the seriousness of this issue. Whether your child is going to pursue an athletic scholarship or go to any school or pursue whatever career, it's important for parents to understand that colleges and recruiters and employers and future roommates and others will all be looking at your child's social media presence and digital footprint. Take it to heart and work with your children on that. From there, let me see if I can boil this down to three concrete tips for parents as you talk to your kids about their digital reputation. First always think before you share. How about count to 10 before you hit send or post. Before you post, think to yourself, there is no delete button on the internet. It is permanent. And then say, if something goes wrong, if you ever have a concern, then come tell me. I'll be here to help you
1: sort it out and together we'll get through it. Thanks for listening to Their Own Devices. This show is a
0: conversation, and we'd love to hear from you. How are you handling these issues in your own home? Have you talked about online reputation management with your own kids? Do you have
1: tips for other parents? Email us at hello at devicespodcast.com. Their Own Devices is hosted by Mark Roman and David Reitman. This podcast is part of the Podglomerate Network and is recorded at Clean Cut Studios in Washington, D.C., this episode was edited by Ryan Dan. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts,
0: please leave us a review. It will help other parents find the show and get the information they need. We'll see you next time.
1: The Podglomer, A Sonic Universe.